Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly podcast, The Unchangeable Truth. We just sit down with Pastor Stephen as he discusses his sermon from Highland Park Baptist Church, and we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. And we ask you to go ahead and, and click that subscribe button, click that like or the follow button. And then again, we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. So keep listening as Pastor Stephen discusses his weekly sermon. Hey, it's Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, we have Pastor Stephen, as always, in the podcast booth. And Pastor Stephen, man, it is Monday, talking about your sermon from Sunday, and you titled it, God's Alarm Clock. That's kind of a, it's kind of an odd title. What, like, where'd you, where'd that come from? You just pulled it out of your pocket, like, God's Alarm Clock. Well, I mean, he's sounding the alarm. <laughs> okay. Uh... And, um, you know, he's just saying, wake up. Okay. When I think of wake up, I think of an alarm. So. All right. I guess Ru- I could have called it wake up. There you go. I mean. Or. It's a catchy up. title. It's a catchy title. Get up. Romans chapter God's 13. alarm clock. That's <laughs> what I called it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. It just, it caught me off guard for a second. Romans chapter 13. Verses eleven through fourteen, and uh, man, a special shout. Let me do this. A special shout out to Alma Emery, who's a faithful listener, who every week listens to it. Yep. And uh, her little boy loves listening to our podcast. Nice. He even asked for. He it. gave me a hug the other day. Yeah, yeah. He's a pretty cool young man. And uh, she <clears throat> actually, she she asked me the other day if I ever got my box water. Oh, I got it. I saw that the other day. I almost bought you three or four of them. But it's is expensive, it? but it's good, though. Okay, where can I get this? Oh, no, I'll get it. I'll bring it in. Well, I've got a supplier. <laughs> you got a guy? You got yeah. a box water guy? Yeah, yeah. He he, he makes it in his backyard up at the Ecofina. <laughs> out, out in the woods. Uh, <laughs> up at yeah. the Ecofina. Yeah. He has a... Booming enterprise in the back of his house yeah, by the river water, in the woods. It's a water preserve here yeah. in uh, in North Florida. It's cold, sixty seven degrees year round. The Ecofina. It's nice. Yep. All right, first point: awaken from apathy. Um, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna ask you, what do you mean by apathy? Like, can you can you tell us what you meant by apathy? Yeah, well, apathy means I don't care. Okay, I don't give a rip about anything or anyone except myself. And you and you can even be apathetic about yourself. Mm. I don't care. I just yeah. don't care. Uh, in in the context of the sermon, uh, and I believe what what he's talking about in the scripture here is uh, when you sit there and you are focusing on uh, maybe meeting your your fleshly needs, desires, all that kind of stuff. Just kind of doing life. The reality is there are more people that are apathetic in life than are not apathetic and it, you know it's not i would say not in the case of everyone i don't care as much as they're not they don't care about the right things yeah or they don't care about godly things uh most people are motivated and driven by selfish things mm. yeah and uh, we live in a, a, a world and a country and even a culture that exalts the personal pursuit for sure and um and, and we can make that our god many times but apathy i just don't care in this context we're talking about the church and we're talking about believers and we're talking about how easily it is for us to get so focused um 
on uh, trivial matters to where we don't care about the most important thing. I'll give you an example. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had folks say this to me. They mean they mean it meaning well. They really do. But they, you know, hey, everybody, my family saved. We're good. Yeah. Well, praise been, the Lord. I've been saved my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord that everybody. I, I remember. I remember when our youngest you know, gave his life to Jesus Christ. I'm like, yes, thank you, Lord. Everybody, everybody in my immediate family knows you as Lord and Savior, but that's not the end end goal. It's not exhausted. It should be instead, man, I thank God that everybody in my family is saved, but man, we don't have much time left. We got to, we got to keep sharing Christ. Yeah. Let's make evangelism and, and, and the furtherance of the gospel, the goal of what we're doing here. So apathy yeah, hey, I know Jesus is coming back, but you know, I'm good. I'm saved. Everybody in my family's saved, so we're good. All right. So, and and I know that you know your sermon. Yes, we're talking about man. There is this. You know, God is is charging us. He's calling us to you know, step up and do something. It's time to wake up. God's God's alarm clock. All these things. Um, and in this idea of apathy, why do you think the church is so apathetic? Uh, I mean, again, uh, and we've talked about this before that we sit in the room week after week and you are preaching the truth of scripture and you are preaching with passion and you are preaching, um, you know, sound biblical doctrine. So why, why do you think the church and, and they could be the church globally, but you know, why is there such apathy towards sharing the gospel or even growing in our faith? Cause we've talked about that too. We've talked about what sanctification looks like and, um, but yet globally the church is is seems apathetic so well well because of the uh the consumerism model yeah in the church i mean how do we market the church and and can i just say i even feel bad saying market the church yeah you're right uh but we do we market the church uh hey we want to let folks know uh, where we are. We want to f- let folks know what we can offer. Yeah. Uh, last night I had a uh, Discover yeah. Highland Park meeting, yeah. and in that meeting, you know, <laughs> I, I, I really, I do everything I can. Almost, you could even sit there and say, I think he's discouraging people from coming to be right, part of right. us. Uh, because we talk about here's expect- expectations, but how we naturally gravitate towards, you got kids? Let me tell you what we got to offer kids here. Right. You got right. students? Let me yeah. tell you about that. You, yeah. Hey, you like music? Right. It's funny. You know, like you would walk up to somebody and say, hey, you like good music or you like bad music? <laughs> right. Because if you like good music, oh yeah, my yeah. goodness, you need to come here. Yeah. And so we build this whole thing around our likes, our desires, our, want, our wants. Uh, somebody was saying the other day that they were talking to somebody and they said uh, that this person told them, yeah, yeah, we're shopping around for a church. I think we had that discussion last week on a podcast. I don't think it was the podcast. No, I don't think it It was. I think it was. It might have been a discussion that you and I were having with someone else. Maybe. Uh, But I can't remember. I think it's this consumerism of uh, that has infiltrated the church. Yeah. That that's where apathy uh, so, so the whole apathy is now. The reason why we're here is you're, you you want to entertain me, yeah, or you need to entertain me. Hey, if you really want to keep me here, <laughs> you'll you'll entertain me, right? Yeah. So the uh, uh, we're built on satisfy me, uh, keep me happy. I'm going to mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna approach the church the way I would approach a uh like a a grocery store or any kind of business hey as long as 
as long as you're keeping me happy, then man, I'm I'm cool. Yeah. I'm cool. I'm fine. Uh, you start requiring something, well, we got problems there. Yeah. Um, and so I think the whole apathy thing is a byproduct of not. I exist to serve Christ through the church, but the church exists to serve me, and Jesus is my get out of hell free card, and maybe my you know genie in a bottle. Yeah, and does, how, it, does it make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and you know, and I think you're going to allude to this later in the in the podcast because I think you talked about it in the sermon some, but you, you, I think you mentioned yesterday that you know there are times when it's like culture is dictating what the church does rather than the church kind of dictating what culture should be doing like yeah the pro and and again there's nothing wrong with changing methods and styles and all those kinds of things so we we do that uh all the time you know we're not going to sit there and hey we're going to design a uh, the way a worship service plays out, the way it would have played out in the 1960s. Right. Now, the goal is the same. The right. goal is the oh, same. Absolutely. Uh, and that God is the subject of our worship. Uh, likewise, you know, f- f- uh, many different methods change over time. The message remains the same. The problem is when the church sits there and the church gets so consumed with, yeah. we got to have people here, we got to have people here, that, you know, the size of our church dictates how healthy our church is. And I would like to say this, and this is as somebody who pastors uh, a large church. Right. Uh, we are, we're, I mean, if you look at the size of churches all across the United States, we're going to be in that top 1% of size of churches. Uh, some folks would consider us to be a mega church. Uh, that, I guess that's up to your own interpretation yeah. of, of a mega church. But just because a church is large doesn't mean it's healthy. Right. It just means it can draw people. Yeah. And uh, the reality is, I could set myself on fire when we draw people. (laughs) I would assume, at least till I burn up, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or. That's a weird day. Yeah. Hey, let's bring in, (laughs) let's bring, well, hey, I'm going to give you an example. And, 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 and I did this. I did this. You know, we had, uh, we had Tim Tebow here last year. Yeah. About this time last year. And, Two services. We didn't even advertise it. Didn't put it on anything. We told our people the week before. Right. We seat 1,700. Two services packed to the gills. People that could not even get in, couldn't find a parking place, left. Right. To come because a well-known sports figure was here. Right. Now, thank God that Tim uses his uh, notoriety to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, sure. And he did that. But a perfect example of, I wouldn't even say necessarily culture, uh, as far as culture within the non-Christian community, because I know a lot of Christians who did not go to their church that day and came to our church. <laughs> right. But it's just this, it, it, it's just this symptom of this whole, man, it's me. It's about me. And the problem is when churches try to, okay, let's water down, let's water down the truth of the gospel. You know, this whole emerging church movement and everything and, you know, uh, within that, folks sitting there saying, hey, quit talking about hell. People don't want to hear about hell. Lighten up on hell. Tell them about heaven. You know, tell them about hell. 
well, I'm not, I'm not one of these guys sits here, all right, every Sunday, man, i got to bring you in here, and I'm going to you know, lay it down on hell. But the reality is Scripture talks three times more about hell than it does heaven. And we try to sanitize the gospel because we don't want the gospel to be offensive. The gospel is offensive. Right, right. Scripture tells us that to a man that is dying, the gospel is a stumbling block or a stumbling stone. Yet to those that are being saved, it is a uh, stepping stone. Right. So that that's that's the the big concern. I, I've I've quoted this before. I don't think I've ever quoted it. Uh, on our podcast, let me let me share this. And so, basically, this is a a, a little poem, even though uh, it doesn't rhyme, which I always thought poems had to rhyme. Uh, is it poem or poem? Poem. I say poem. I say poem. Poem. I, I say poem. 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 I have, I have like, a Matt Henderson. You know who that is? Matt Henderson. I do. Matt Henderson is. I mean, I'm like poem. He goes poem. What's poem? It's poem. Yeah. Or. I'm like, who do you foil, think you are? Full or foil? Yeah, are you a linguist here? What's going on? <laughs> Matt, um, we we mo- we know Matt Henderson. He's 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 not a linguist. Yeah, he's not a linguist. <laughs> Love him. So if you listen, whoever's listening, if Sorry, you know bro. Matt Henderson, would you text him right now and say yeah. it's poem? It's poem. <laughs> the yeah. the uh, but anyway, this poem that doesn't rhyme. The title of it, and it's written by a guy named Wilbur Reese. Oh, I, I want to give him credit. Wilbur. $3 worth of God. Listen to this. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I want enough of God to make, excuse me, I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beats with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. Wow. I want warmth of the womb, but not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Mm. That's wow. that 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 is that is a perfect description of our culture, yeah. even the way they approach what it means to be in relationship with God. Yeah. And please hear me when I say they, I mean us. Right, I got you. <laughs> I mean us. So, um, so another question on on this: uh, how do, how do we move past that? I mean, and I, I know we've talked about this many many times before, but I think it's worth talking about again. I think it's it's worth mentioning. But like, how how do we how do we move as leaders in the church, as people in the church, as congregants, as people listening to your sermon, trying to grow in our faith? How do we simply move past this this idea, this thought of apathy? Well, I think I think it's a daily denial of self, a daily uh, taking up your cross and following after Christ. I think it, it's this daily. I'm spending time with Him. I'm spending yeah. time in His. In his word, not just to be checking it off so I can be the good Christian that says, hey, hey, listen now, where's my star for this week? Because I read my Bible every day. Now, I didn't get anything out of it, and I really wasn't even open to getting anything out of it, but I could check it off. I did want a guilt remover because if, you know, uh, that's a great guilt remover. I read my Bible every day. But approach it as I'm desperately in love with you, Jesus. Not about me. It's all about you. And 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 I think we got to work at it. I think it's a daily, daily pursuit. Because again, as long as we're in this flesh, it is always going to be a battle against self. 
It's going to be a battle against what I want, what I think is. And, and you know, there, there are folks that even debate over what is what is church. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, hey, hey, listen, uh, they sing nothing but hymns they read out of a KJV Bible. That's church. Yeah. Or they all they do is sing the newest songs on the radio, and the pastor uses the message. <laughs> That's church. And then you have all this stuff in between. Yeah. And then you have denominations built around, we don't use any musical instruments at all, right. but yet they still sing because there's no mention of musical instruments in the New Testament. And then I'm just saying... Instead of us, I so wish that the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of us being known in the world for what we're against, I wish we would be known what we're for. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. Mm. So we got some work to do. We got some things to change. Um so that kind of that kind of leads into or kind of takes us to our next thought. You know, God God's alarm clock. It's time to awaken from apathy. But you also said to acknowledge the time. Uh, what do you what what time are you talking about? Whenever you say acknowledge the time, yeah, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and because uh, it's happening soon. Well, yeah, and what I believe uh, when I say the second coming of Jesus Christ, let let me make that clear. I believe the rapture. Not not when Jesus actually comes back on the earth. That will happen, I believe, at the end of a seven-year period known as the tribulation. That when the church is raptured, we'll be called out, we'll meet him in the air. Uh, and that will enter into what I believe is a literal seven years of tribulation. So I think the very next thing that's going to happen on the prophetic calendar is Jesus is going to come back for his bride. He is going to come and rapture the church, you know, grab the church off the earth, and we will go uh, to be with him, and that will enter into a time of, of tribulation. And then at the end of the tribulation, he'll come back with the church, and that's when he'll, he'll uh, you know, he'll, he'll basically, he'll, he'll, he'll enter us into a millennial reign, and then at the end of the millennial reign, the devil will be loosed for one final time, and then that will be it. It'll be finished. It'll be complete. Yeah. It'll be over. So that day, when I use the word that day, I mean this. I mean either when Jesus Christ raptures the church, takes us out of here, or when uh, when you die, you take your last breath, and you're, you're face-to-face with Jesus. And you, and you make these comments um, in the middle of – of this topic where it says it's, it's later than it's ever been before, but salvation is nearer than ever. Um, yeah. And, and that's not a very deep statement. If you stop to think about it, it's later than it's ever been right. before. You can say like, that about anything, right? right? <laughs> you're right. I know. And I kind of giggled when you said that, but you know, in the, in the paradigm of what you're talking about, like, yeah, you're right. Like the, the time is close. Like it's closer than it's ever been, you know? Well, the point that I was trying to make is if you got the guy who's writing this, yeah. Paul, 2000 years ago, and he's sitting here and he's like, it's soon. Yeah. And if yeah. he thought it was soon, then it's really got to be soon yeah. for us. And we even talk about folks who scoff, and I've had this. You guys may have had it as well. You know, well, pff, Jesus, y'all been talking about that forever. Yeah. My whole life, I've yeah. heard Jesus is coming back. He's not coming back. Yeah. And again, we remember we're trying to we're trying to 
we're trying to comprehend this within the confines of space and time that we operate in, yet God's not bound by space or time. 2,000 years to him, that's nothing. Yeah. And somebody would say, well, why does he delay? Why does Jesus delay? Why doesn't he come back today? Why doesn't God send him back to rapture the church today? The Bible makes it very clear. So that more people may come yeah. to saving faith in him. Every every second that God delays sending Christ back to rapture the church, right. he does so that more folks may yeah. respond to his grace. Well, and you talk about, you know, kind of some signs knowing that or signs for us to know that it's close. You talked about Israel. Um, you talked about the temple being rebuilt. Um, but you know, again, as we're as we're waiting and more people are getting to know Jesus and the gospel is being advanced, um, you know, we we have the technology right now to make sure that every tribe and tongue can hear the gospel. Like it it is it, it's close. Like the time is near. Like man, it it's there's a lot of stuff happening with Israel. There's a lot of stuff happening with the temple. There's a lot of stuff happening all over that kind of points us to this. Well, and when you when when you study this, and even we talked about this when we were walking through Romans a little bit earlier, some uh, some early commentators, you know, they 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 would write on this, and they couldn't comprehend it because Israel wasn't a nation, right? And you never thought the world never thought Israel was going to become a nation again. You, they you'd never seen anything like this happen to be dispersed all across the globe. And then yet to come back, and yet Christ, he prophesied about that, uh, you know, goodness, well, 2,000 years before it happened. You know, he said, hey, just like the uh, uh, just like the tree blooms, the leaves on the tree bloom, he's talking clearly about the olive tree. What's the olive tree? That's the Israelites. And the very fact that in 1948 they were recognized again as a nation, uh the miracle within that is unbelievable. The, the fact that like in 1967, they retook Jerusalem. That's crazy that that would ever even happen. But crazy that 2,000 years before it happened, Christ said it would happen. You say, why was that important? Because they were under Roman rule when he was talking. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the very thing he said to happen ended up coming to happen. And so you've seen this fulfilled yeah. within the last 50, you know, 60 years that you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's like I said in the sermon, nobody knows the day or the hour, but the time, I mean, the season that he uses there, the word uh, kairos in the original uh, Greek language, we're in that time. Yeah. We're in that time. When you reference Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where, uh, again, Scripture just talks about that the day is approaching. Um, so again, that, that call to wake up, that call to be ready because, you know, the the time is near. We got to acknowledge the time. Hey, once again, we want to say thank you for listening to the unchangeable truth this week. We actually went a little bit long, so we're going to break it up into two parts. So you just listen to part one, tune in next week for part two. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. 
this is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. And we would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk in grace. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.